Hello there. <clears throat> Welcome to our classroom. It's uh, always a little bit nervous, a little funny talking to a camera. I shouldn't say that. The subject is knowing God. This is our third lesson in uh, in the subject of knowing God. I'm glad that you're uh, paying attention. Um, I hope, I pray that you're well. You members of Blossom Valley Bible Church, whoever else is listening to this, um, it's about health, but it's a whole lot more. This is uh, strenuous, it's emotional, uh, financial, and of course what's happening with the country, there's a lot that's real difficult right now. So uh, be praying for each other, pray for all in the church, for the leaders, for everyone, and of course for neighbors, family, and all the rest. Introduction is the hardest part. This is the third lesson in our study. The first lesson was an introduction to knowing God. Um, we have a couple goals. I mentioned the goals. Uh, the first one is uh, pretty obvious to have correct knowledge of God. Uh, the key verse was Colossians 1, 9-12. Paul is praying for the Colossians, pray that they would be increasing in the knowledge of God. Uh, that's not a head knowledge, that's experiential knowledge. Very important. Uh, another goal is that not just to have knowledge of God, but meaningful relationship with God. We want to have meaningful relationship based on correct knowledge. It's kind of logical when you think about it. If you have a wrong knowledge of what God is like, then the relationship will be off. But we want relationship with God and not just information. Information alone doesn't cut it. But uh, those two things, correct knowledge and relationship. Uh, this is a Christian study. And, and so what I mean by that is uh, it's a Bible study. The goal, again, is what does the scripture say? What can we learn from the scriptures? What's been revealed for us? Uh, I say that introduction because uh, there, there's a lot of subjects you talk about. It's philosophical things. Is there a God? Isn't there a God? What about other teachings, philosophies? We're not doing that for this class. I understand the uh, significance of those kind of things, but we're just starting from well, what do the scriptures say? We believe and we trust them, uh, but we want to know. I've prepared handouts for the lessons, and uh, this is one of the handouts for today. You can't read that, but to see the the paper, um, that should be should come as an attachment on the email that has the link to uh, this video you're looking at. Now I did it this way as opposed to this way. Your printer shouldn't have any problem with that. And uh, I, the handouts are real helpful. The information is concise. Talking, I kind of sometimes it's hard to do this as well as I like, but the uh, handouts are uh, uh, pretty good. More important. That was our first lesson. That was the introduction lesson. The second lesson was uh, about uh, creation, uh, heavens and earth, and mankind. Um, creation is not just Genesis, the heavens and the earth, but the subject of creation is throughout the whole scriptures. And the important part, the important for our study, is that God made the world by means of a spoken word and that he made man, mankind, men and women, in his image. We have been made in the image of God. We're not evolved beings. We're not higher level of animals. Nothing like that. Right from the beginning, uh, people are separate. Uh, none of this would make sense. The gospel wouldn't make sense. God came to save people. God loves you and me. Create universe. Wonderful, fantastic. Praise God. But humans are 
special in God's sight. That's an important thing in scripture. It's not just something in Genesis tacked on there, created in his image, but it's very important to the whole scriptures, which are about people. The Lord Jesus Christ, eternal God, became a person, became a human being in order to rescue, uh, rescue us. Our third lesson, that's what we're beginning right now today, uh, is uh, entitled, Incomprehensible Yet Knowable. And this is going to be in uh, two halves. I'll record it that way. I think it'll be two links. Um, incomprehensible but knowable. That word incomprehensible, and see, I even stumbled on it, and I'm trying to teach it to, to you all. Uh, that's not a word we use very often. Uh, I picked it up in, in reading for this uh, study, uh, a bunch of uh, different authors and, and, and so forth. Uh, but a few of them mention this word. It's not always used by everybody, but it's a really good word. Not a Bible word, but a word that describes what the Bible is saying about God. Um, I think it's a good word. Uh, as we go through the studies, uh, see what you think. But um, he is incomprehensible. In the book of Revelation, uh, the Apostle John has a vision of Jesus. That's, that's the book of Revelation. John is on the island of Patmos. Uh, he's an old man. It's been years since uh, Jesus' resurrection, subsequent ascension to heaven. If you remember, John was likely the youngest disciple. Now it's years later. Jesus lived, died, rose, ascended to heaven. been years since then. And in chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, John describes hearing and seeing Jesus. John is overwhelmed, absolutely, totally overwhelmed. And, and this is how he describes it. I'm going to read it a little wordy, and I encourage you to read it on your own also, if it's hard to follow uh, as I'm reading. But Revelation chapter 1, 10 to 18. This is complicated. I'm not going to spend a long time on this, but there's a few things, one in particular I want you to notice in this section of John's uh, writing in the Revelation, the beginning of the whole book of Revelation. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamon, to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Did John hear a trumpet? Nah. I heard a loud voice like a trumpet. Look at that word like. Continuing, Revelation 1.12. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Now there's a lot there, and there's symbolism, and Revelation's a real challenging uh, book, as you all know that. But I want you to notice one thing, and that was the word like. The word like was used by John eight times in those verses. This was like that. I saw something that was like that. I heard something that sounded like. He keeps repeating it. Um, you say, well, why isn't John more precise? You, know, you 
maybe he has a limited vocabulary to saying light looks like this. It's not that. That's pretty clear, huh? What he's doing is uh, he's describing something indescribable. You can't describe it, so it's light. That's how we talk about things. Uh, the voice was like a trumpet, he says in one verse, in verse 10. But verse 15, he says, the voice is like the roar of many waters, like rushing waters. He knew he wasn't hearing a trumpet. He could have said it was a trumpet or waters or a waterfall. It was like that, something indescribable. So he's using something he knows, trumpets and, and running, rushing water, to describe something that he never heard before, never seen before. Uh, it's called analogy. You, you probably know that. Uh, he's using analogy. And our language about God is often used on analogy because we describe things in terms of other things we know. And when it comes to God, there's nothing like God and no one like God exactly. Here's a dictionary definition of analogy. Now, there's a lot of dictionaries and analogies are used all the time, not just in the Bible sense. But this is one that were several normal definitions. And this is not a Christian dictionary, but I got it, it was online. Analogy. The religious belief that between creature and creator, no similarity can be found so great but that the dissimilarity is always greater. Language can point in the right direction, but any analogy between God and humans will always be inadequate. That's a good thought. Kind of complex to unravel that, but even though you're saying something is like this, it's never exactly like when we're talking about God. Nothing is exactly uh, like God. Uh, one more question on this passage, uh, that whole long uh, those verses there. Do you think John's telling the truth? Okay. The answer, and you can say, yes, you're a Bible student. You know, it's like, of course, the answer is Jesus. The answer is he's, John's telling the truth. Standard answers. But it's important because John is using this language. It sounds imprecise. Well, it was like this, like that. But it's not because he's fudging the truth. Okay. It's because it's indescribable. But it's, it's still a, a, a true thing. I want to read several scriptures. I won't spend too much time, not as long as I did on uh, Revelation there, uh, just highlighting this fact of that God is uh, incomprehensible. Uh, there's other scriptures. These are listed on the handouts. One reason to read them, you can see the scriptures which I've quoted. Some may not be, but most of them uh, are. And uh, look at the, a few from the Old Testament, a few from the New Testament. Uh, one of my favorites is Psalm 145. The entire psalm, one of my favorites, I may have mentioned before, as far as God, and just the, the whole psalm is great. But the first uh, first few verses, great is the Lord, pardon me, this is verse 3, uh, great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Other translations, translations say, his greatness no one can fathom. No one can measure his greatness. Uh, again, this this unsearchable. No one can even measure it, unfathomable. That's how great he is. Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure or infinite or having no limit. Those words are used in our English translations from the uh, original language. You can't measure it, okay? Um, infinite. I, when I took math in school, I took quite a bit of math and talking about the infinite, and we try to wrap our head around it. This is not a mathematical term in scripture, but it's the idea of no limits. 
there is just no limit at all. Not the biggest number you can think of. Okay, if you had an IQ, you don't say he has an IQ of 10 zillion. No, there's no limit to this. Okay, right there you can see your, your head starting to spin. I don't get it. That's right. You don't get it. That's right because this is God. Incomprehensible. Uh, still in the Old Testament, uh, Isaiah 40. Uh, that's a, a great chapter. The whole chapter is good. I'm going to give you a few verses out of there. Several, and uh, several. He's asking questions, but they're questions uh, to get people thinking about who he is and so forth. So these are just selected verses, but they're from uh, Isaiah chapter 40, your Old Testament. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Well, I would say, can you imagine? Oh, I, I taught God a few things. Silly. Verse 18 in Isaiah 40. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? Uh, that's repeated again in verse 25. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Obviously, he's incomparable. No one can compare. Uh, Isaiah 28, 40, chapter 40, uh, verse 28 to 29. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. The one that gives us strength is unlimited strength. You know, he gives us strength. When God gives us something, God is never diminished by that. You've heard that. And that's because he's limitless. And that's an incredible thought to get your, your head wrapped around. Uh, Isaiah 55. These are verses 6 through 9 in Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. A tremendous thought, familiar verse. Um, we know more about astronomy nowadays than when that was written. When it says the heavens, you know, uh, the heavens are higher than the earth, uh, so my ways are higher than your ways. Don't think in terms of measurement or what we know. Uh, this again is a, a way of expressing this, not in a science way, but really it's kind of in awe. Okay, as much as our understanding, we can get this way beyond that, uh, beyond measure, uh, beyond anything else we could possibly even imagine. New Testament, Matthew 8, 27. Uh, again, this, just getting this idea of God being incomprehensible. In Matthew 8, Jesus is in a boat with his disciples, calms a storm, great storm. Then say a storm, this is a great storm. This is when he rebuked the sea, the winds, the sea, and there was a great calm. I think the other... Uh, one of the other Gospels doesn't use the word great, but in Matthew 8, uh, there was a great storm, and when Jesus calmed it, there was a great calm. Wonderful language there. This is what happened afterwards with these men, these fishermen. Been on the sea, they knew the sea, and so forth. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? 
Can you imagine having been with them? You know, this is one of the scriptures that's really familiar. Okay, yeah, they're amazed. Let's go on to the next. Wait, slow down. Let's not go on to the next one. Think of what they're saying. You know, these guys know stuff. They've been in boats and they know in the culture and stuff. What sort of man is this? Okay. The wind and the sea obey him. This wasn't that hard for Jesus. We know that. We have the bigger picture. But for these guys, I mean, Jesus the carpenter's son, Jesus the carpenter, Mary's son, uh, absolutely amazing. Romans, uh, the book of uh, Romans, letter Paul's letter to Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable or unfathomable his ways. Paul writing, now that, that was chapter 11. The whole book of Romans has been, you know, building and building as far as what's happened. It's about salvation. Uh, and there's that great chapter 8, uh, no condemnation uh, for believers, no separation from God, all these tremendous, tremendous things. Talking more and more about God's salvation. And then that verse, I'm going to read that again. It's just so cool. Because it's not just, I mean, I'm reading the one verse, but it's a culmination of so much that he's been writing about. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable or unfathomable his ways. So God is not like anything. He's like, or maybe say he's like some things, but he's not exactly like anything or anybody. That's our word, incomprehensible. You may want to practice the word, say, incomprehensible. It's a new word to us. I think it's a good one. Uh, I probably repeated enough now. You, you, uh, you get the idea. You may be thinking at this time, wow, there's all this stuff you can't possibly know. But hasn't God revealed some things about himself? And he has, and that's the wonderful truth. That's going to be the second part of this lesson. So I just finished the first part part three of my study, the first half of part three. In a few moments, I'm going to turn off the camera and start again with the next half of part three. One handout for both of those, the fact that he is incomprehensible yet knowable. Um, the two go well together, both true, but you want to kind of see them at the same time, which is uh, a challenging thought, but really, uh, really important. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll get with that one in a in just a few moments, okay? And we say thank you, Lord, for who you are. We praise you, God, with all our hearts, praise you. What a God. What a God. Help us to know you. Uh, what a tremendous thought even to pray that prayer. We thank you, God. Amen.